hello, 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 it is, if you're watching this, January 2020, January 9th. My name is Travis, this is Oscar Mike Radio, and uh, just happy to be here today doing this again. Thank you so much for checking back in. And I have a guest, my, my, my second show of the year is another guest, and uh, just a really great story. I am pleased to be joined by David Jones of ACD Millsurf. David, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Oh, thank you, Travis. Happy to be here. Appreciate you coming down. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, David. Uh, we were talking before this, and I was talking about Article 15 Brewery. And when I first you know, started talking to you, I was like, what is ACD Millserve? What does that even do? And I started looking at your website. You, you're very unique. Uh, Folks, he's the first business-to-business -business company veteran-owned that I've dealt with, so it's very cool that way. But what what does ACD Millserve do? All right. So basically, to start off, we are a for-profit company, but we're listed as a benefit corp, and it's kind of a new listing that you can do in the state where you have to pick a social cause to give back to. And in our case, we pick veterans and their families, so we give back 20% of our profits to veterans and their families. Uh, and the, the business model itself is we really saw a niche, kind of something missing in the alcohol industry, where typically the alcohol industry is set up as a three-tiered system, where there's a maker of a product, whether it be a beer, alcohol, you know, or wine, uh, we'll just use beers, for instance, just because it's a little more simple to explain, they would typically have to sell to a distributor who would take a cut, and then they would end up selling their product out to the retail side. And uh, we saw, you know, with all the e-commerce things going on here, that if we could build a platform online to where the makers of these products could just list them online, sell directly to the retailer, all they need is a delivery service to get their product to the retail site. So we decided to start ACD Millserve and to be that delivery partner. So once a product is listed on the site and sold, we can take it right from the maker, they can take a, a higher percent of profit, and we just collect a delivery fee. And in order to do that, we hire veterans to be our drivers. So we have a fleet of veterans here in uh, Massachusetts. We just expanded down to Texas. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, and we're kind of working throughout New England right now. We have plans for 2020 to go down into Maryland. We have a deal working there right now, too. And... The idea really is that, you know, as we continue to grow here, we just hire more and more veterans. Uh, we're moving into New York, actually, the first of the year. Uh, kind of a very unique concept right there. But it's a way for the smaller guy to not have to worry about, you know, they now have this passion to be a brewer or whatever the case and, you know, build these great products that I, not you, <laughs> like to drink. Um, but you know, to give them a little bit more control of their brand without having to build out a fleet of vehicles, hire drivers, pay for insurance, and, and deal with that whole side of the house. They can just use us to do all of the logistics side of it, and they can just focus on what they're great at and just brew some awesome beer. So uh, I have a question about that, but before I do, can you let uh, my guests and me know, what did you do in the military? How did you get started in the military? Uh, started back in 98, joined with my brother, kind of like that oh. buddy program there. So for the first six years we were together, uh, basic training, advanced training, got deployed to Cuba, came back. Uh, after that, I went into the recruiting side of the house, so I got hired as a full-time recruiter. David. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. He's judging already. <laughs> 
but I spent eight years doing that, and the only way that you can stick around that long is by taking care of your people. So after the first year or two, I built up you know, enough following of people that I helped out that they were willing to help me out. Uh, the interesting part, because I recruited for the active army and the army guard, uh, is that the people in the army guard, when they went to training, they were back within six months living in your town, shopping in your stores. So it wasn't this you know, mentality of, I'll just sell you a false you know, job, I'll send you away for three years, by the time you come back, I'm gone. That's not the case. So I relied on them coming back to help, yeah, help me market and bring their friends in. So as long as I didn't lie to them, they were always willing to help out. That's fantastic. That, that's, folks, that's the <laughs> exception, not the norm, okay? Because my recruiter was gone when I got back to uh, where I joined from. So like a lot of people I've talked to who are own businesses and run businesses, you, you were doing this thing in the Army for your country for a, a point in your life. And then you had to essentially not start all over again, but go into something completely different. You know, what, what caused you to go into this, this business um, and, and look at this as something that you wanted to do? Uh, well, kind of interesting. So uh, you and I talked a little bit before, but, you know, when I got out of the active side, I was still in the Army National Guard just going part-time, so I needed a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to use my experience as a recruiter to go into the corporate world and be a corporate recruiter and headhunter. Uh, realized that I just didn't like the grind of the daily just numbers and crunching and phone calls. I'm a people person. I like being out and about. But I couldn't get hired into a position that would do that because they just they discredited all my military experience and schooling and skill set and sales and HR uh, and just said that, you know, even though I manage people in the Army, I wouldn't know how to manage civilians because they have to do what I tell them to do because we're in the Army or I'll throw them in jail is the mindset out there. So without that college degree or civilian experience, I was, you know, the last 10 years of my life was discredited as far as work. So. Uh, used the post 9-11 GI Bill, went back to school, got my associates in business and entrepreneurship, went there uh, to get my four-year degree, my bachelor's in business management. Oh, wow. And then once my service connection went through, I decided to switch over to Voc Rehab and use that program to pay for my MBA program. So I'm finishing up my MBA this spring, so I'm going to master's in business there. And uh, by getting to that point is what led me into ACD. So I was, I told you I was in the nonprofit sector for three years just before this, uh, helping at-risk veterans find housing and employment. I was an employment guy uh, to help get them ready to do whatever they needed to do uh, to get them from transition from the military to the civilian side. And uh, it's a, it was a great way to you know, really get a sense of you know, pride of what you do. Not, not necessarily just pride, but just a sense of giving back and feeling good about what you did not work. And I was at a setup for them at the VA up in Brockton, a uh, little job fair thing, and uh, I ran into ACD Millserve. They were a brand new startup trying to you know, get some traction uh, in this alcohol industry. And I heard the concept and I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's intriguing to me. And they kind of heard about my background. We talked for a little while and they said, well, I have a small like business consulting that I do for veteran-owned businesses. And they're like, can we just hire you to help us get started? And that's how it started. I was just kind of working with them on some projects, right. trying to you know, get their marketing, their sales, their recruitment, their SOP set up, things like that, uh, and trying to help them get them geared to within two years to be a franchisable business to where a veteran can just take over a route and run it like their own company. And uh, I was in the process of doing that. Uh, unfortunately, 
uh, one of our co-founders, um, he's uh, an Air Force colonel, his wife uh, was the, you know, one of the people on the ground, you know, getting this business up and going. She had a, a fatal accident, freak accident oh my God. in her home and passed, unfortunately, uh, you know, sweetheart of a woman. And um, the other business owners just said, hey, listen, you know, you kind of understand the business. You know it. You're a veteran. We want to keep it veteran owned. Why don't you come on and, you know, kind of take over uh, for her? And I did that for a while, just kind of getting the business to a point to where it could sustain. And then I stepped out of the nonprofit sector into this just a few months ago full time. So going back to something that I thought about when we first started talking, there's a lot of people who are doing brewing out of their house, uh, out of their garage. Some of them will put in together and get a storage unit and brew out of there. It's, and, and, you know, I don't know much about beer, but I looked around and there are thousands. <laughs> it's more than just Coors and Michelob Light. I didn't realize how many different beers there were. But if I understood you correctly from your first part of your conversation is if I'm one of these small places, veteran-owned, non-veteran-owned, and I'm trying to, I think I have the product. I can come to you guys and say, hey, look, I want to focus on my craft, right? Is that, is that what this is? And you can take over all this logistical aspect of my, my business. Yeah, so there's a couple different tiers. There's some okay. kind of brew pubs that are out there that just brew their own beer and sell their own beer, and you know they have their people that come to their bar, and, and that's pretty much it. And you know that's a great business model, uh, but for the people that kind of want to self-distribute, they would had to have in the past, you know, send out salespeople to retail locations, get their product out, you know, to those retail locations and distribute themselves. And there's some good-sized brewers that do that as well. Um, and we work with some larger brewers here in Massachusetts too that already have that self-distribution model set up. So we kind of fit into a niche where we can either work with that person that just has that little brew pub that wants to start getting their product out to the market, you know, and expanding their sales. Uh, we can offer that and just provide that logistic service or for the person that's already established that has that self-distribution model set up where they're in a handful of or dozens of retail locations already and they're doing well, but they want to expand maybe to a new state. And when you move state to state is where it really gets tricky in the alcohol industry because every state has its own laws and regulations okay. around it. So when we, when we built this homegrown software platform for them to list their products on, uh, we took that into account. So it's compliant with the different states that we work in. So say if there's a brewer here, and I don't want to throw names out there just because I haven't gotten their permission, but you know, a larger brewer here that already has distribution throughout Massachusetts, but they want to get into New York. But in order to get a footprint in New York means they would have to buy or rent a warehouse and sign a long-term lease. They would have to pay for the overhead. They would have to hire local drivers out there and try to manage that. And then, you know, just the logistics and the cost to try to test a new market is a huge, huge risk for some of these places. And it's not worth trying to do it. Whereas our model, we, we have a warehouse that we're moving into on the first and we are subleasing these little storage container units within the warehouse you know, um, eight by 20, eight by 10, eight by 40 units, depending on the size of the brewer. And they only rent that little piece from us. So it's much lower overhead cost. And then we do all the deliveries. So they don't have to worry about the logistics of it either. They just have to get their product to our warehouse and then it sells through the platform. We do all the deliveries and they expand into a new state without having to worry about all the extra compliance issues and everything like that. Cause we're already licensed there. 
So, so is that what the, the bigger beer companies can do is they have infrastructure in every state? And they can yeah, so, so that's typically what a distributor would do for you. Okay. So you would give your product to the distributor who has those retail channels already set up. They already have their 53-foot trailer trucks. But to your point, this craft beer craze that's come up over the last five, seven years really, um, and it's basically doubled. I mean, there's over 7,000 breweries in the United States here. We have almost a few hundred now just in Massachusetts. And good and bad. It's great for the beer drinker because we're getting this variety of different beer that we can, you know, sample. Uh, great products out there right now, but it makes it even harder now because same size market to sell to for the most part. You know, it's growing a little bit, but same size market to sell to, but now there's more players in the game for these small brewers. So it's, it's even harder for them, really. Um, so, you know, we're just here to try to help level that playing field and, you know, give these small brewers a way to expand their sales a little bit without that overhead of trying to do it themselves. So by offsetting that, I'm going to say not, not cost, but unless I cost in the sense, I mean, the time costs and trying to manage that side of their business, they can focus more on creating their product the way they want to. Exactly. Well, it's almost twofold. So one, yes, you don't have to. Uh, so for an instance, when we just went down to Texas, uh, the distributor down there, it's a veteran-owned uh, distributor down there, and he spends more than half of his week driving his own product or trying to find people to drive his product to his locations as opposed to just focusing on you know, the sales, the marketing, and managing his warehouse. So yes, by doing that, we give back a piece of time to the brewers so they can focus more on their sales and marketing strategy. But by kind of skipping that middle tier, I mean, we do work with distributors too. I'm not saying that we're trying to cut them out of the market, but by giving that as an option for a small brewer to get their product directly to the retail location, you know, just by selling through our platform, they take a bigger piece of the pie. So now sure. they have more money in their pocket and more time to be able to help grow their brand. So they can spend more time and money on the marketing and sales side of it. So I looked at your website. We'll get to the, uh, and what is the website for the folks out there? Uh, just acdmillserve.com. Okay. But there's an owl on the website. How that, <laughs> I, I was expecting like a beer truck or, you know, some kind of like a, you know, 105, you know, chucking beer kegs. But what, where does the owl come from? I'm just curious <laughs> from a branding perspective. No, it's a... Uh, very fair question, and it's a question that I asked the original owners, because oh, really? like I said, I kind of stepped into this after there was already some traction, so the logo was already built by that point, so I wanted to kind of build a story behind the brand, behind the company, and it's kind of funny. So our, our sister company, the, the one that helped develop this software, um, so that's American Craft Deliveries Brands, or American Craft Brands, sorry, and the, the software partner is Ninkatech. And they, they're the ones that built this. So they had that owl already as a logo, okay. but it's an orange. And then when we were going to establish ourselves, apparently they just kept the same logo, but they made it that uh, purple heart purple color instead to tie it to the military side of the house. Okay. So, and uh, the, the owl was picked just because <laughs> the original owner liked the owl. They thought it was neat. All right. So, and it kind of looks like a hop, like a beer hop. So it doesn't have the feet or anything. So oh. it, it looks like a beer hop but it's an owl, and uh, the color scheme does play into the military side, but the owl itself was just <laughs> okay. kind of something that she likes. So. No problem, no problem. <laughs> um, so, so you've done the military for a good portion of your life, and you've come into this, you, you've been into corporate recruiting, and now you're into this. 
there, there's still business, there's still challenges. What, what do you say to yourself when you get up in the morning? You know, what are the challenges you have to face on a day-to-day to, to win? The grind is the challenge. The grind you know, is the to, to realize there's nothing that's easy. And, you know, just have enough faith in yourself and your support team around you. Um, I mean, that's the thing. I, I kind of grew up in small business, both my parents. Uh, that's probably where I got the entrepreneurial bug, you know, initially and why I can't just do the nine to five corporate grind. Um, I, I love business. I love the excitement. I love the chaos of it. That's probably why I did well in recruiting because this, people are like, how do you handle stress like that? Because it's a very, very stressful job. Um, but I, I love that kind of controlled chaos. Um, I mean, back when I was like 20, like 21 years ago, I was, uh, you know, I was like a firefighter in EMT and I just kind of love that controlled chaos. And the military gave me that too, where it's like, you know, where most people would run around and not know what to do or freak out or freeze. That's when you're calm and you react. And business is much like that. You know, there's going to be huge swings of ups and downs and, you just have to be able to know yourself well enough to know that you can sustain through it and to take it on as a challenge, like something exciting. And I, I love that challenge of it. So one of the things that um, got me thinking is before we were talking, you were talking about recruiting and how you had to take care of people. Um, how much of the leadership aspect of the military did you bring into your day-to-day business uh, work? It's, it's funny because you don't really think about it, I guess, where, because it's not as structured, you know, it's not like you have your platoon, your squad leaders, your team leaders, and, you know, it's, it's not as structured as that, you know. In business, it's not just the people that work for you as employees, you know, it's also your business partners, your suppliers, your vendors, everything like that. It's, it's all one team, even though they're not, you know, working under you. So it's really how do you manage people? How do you manage that relationship? And like anything else, you know, I I think you have to treat relationships as you have to be willing to do something good for somebody else and then you'll just get it on the back end. So my theory is always just do well for others, help others, and in turn it will come back on you. So that's always been my philosophy. And as far as managing people, yeah, I don't know how much of the military structure I pull in. You know, maybe every once in a while Sergeant Jones does come out. Um, but you know, even, even back then when I was, you know, platoon sergeant, squad leader, team leader, like I was never the rough and tough guy. I was the lead by example guy. I was the, you know, I would never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. So that's always been my mentality. And I bring that here too. Um, I'll give a shout out to, uh, 67 degree brewing. It's a a brand new veteran owned company. Come to find out. I was just talking with him last week. First time we met face to face, he and I were deployed together. So oh, I, I had no idea, yeah. Um, 67 degree brewing. Yeah, yeah, they're out of Framingham. So he's, he's in the process now uh, of building the actual facility. It's coming along nicely. He's almost there. Uh, so he's been, you know, having his beer contract brewed out and brought in right now until he gets his place up and running. And we did the, the delivery routes for him. Uh, to go from the brewer back to his facility to get the kegs of beer ready to go for him. But, uh, you know, great guy. He's got a great concept. Good-looking spot over there in Framingham. I, I believe, I guess, it's the only one that's going to be in Framingham, the only brewer in Framingham. So, oh. uh, But, yeah, he, he's doing all the right things. And, uh, you know, he, he's growing organically, and he has a nice little team, some partners set in place where I think he's going to do really well over there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So one of the things I ask everybody... Uh, especially those who serve in the military is, you know, you've been in the military, you've been in a leadership position in the military, you're doing this now, you've been in recruiting. 
What do you think are the, the main challenges the military and or veterans face in today's world? Stigmas is always one of them making yeah. that transition. Um, benefits, you know, there are a lot of benefits, a ton of benefits, more benefits than even of, you know, anybody even knows about. Uh, the problem is that, you know, a veteran thinks they might be entitled to something because they heard it from another veteran and then they call the VA or call some representative and they've never heard of it. So they think that that door shut in their face means that it's not available to them. And rarely is that the case, you know, you just talk to the wrong person. So the biggest thing is trying to find what benefits, you know, support you to realize that a, a lot of the veterans, you know, that I deal with are too modest, really, to feel like they deserve anything. So they don't even use the benefits that are entitled to them. Uh, a lot of guys that I know that, you know, are entitled to a service connection for a legitimate injury that they have won't do it because they, they're worried that, you know, that they're taking funds from another veteran who deserves it more. And that's kind of our downfall is we're, we're too modest, I think, out there. When we get into the corporate world, we don't speak our minds. We don't show all of our skill sets and experience. We don't sell ourselves in the interviews. We're too damn modest. And other people are beating us out in these interviews because of that modesty. And you just got to, you know, kind of get out there, get over that, sell yourself, you know, use the benefits you're entitled to. Uh, because honestly, it's, it's, it's really, if you use the network and you use the benefits and you use the skill sets that you learned in the military, there, there's no cap to what you can do. I, I've taken people literally off the streets and got them six-figure jobs within a span of a few years, but just realize it's not going to happen overnight either. You might have to start over again. You might have been in charge of a company, you know, in the army, and now you're in an entry-level position. But realize that you have to kind of prove yourself again coming back in, you know, and work your way up and expand yourself and make yourself better. Use your benefits to go back to school. Um, civilian sectors, you know, they, they value that more than I think they should. But, you know, to use that, expand yourself, sell yourself, and give it time. You know, lean on other people and let yourself grow. But you got to give it time. So it's, it's being patient, doing the work, and understanding that you have to be willing to, you know, start the beginning again. Uh, not that you have to start at an entry level, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes people come out and I see it where they're like, I think I'm worth $85,000 a year. And yeah, you might be if you found the right company that believed in you enough to give you that position. But you have to be realistic too to say, you know, how are you compared to everybody else? How are you going to sell yourself as that? And if you turn down other opportunities that are under it, whether it's, you know, I used to manage people, now I'm not managing people. All right, fine. Just get yourself in the door. I'm not saying sell yourself short, you know, you know, value yourself, but put yourself in there at least to give yourself an opportunity to prove your worth. I'm just saying you might have to prove it again and then work your way up. Gotcha. So it seems to me, because learning about the beer industry and how this all works that we're in an unprecedented time. I, I've never, it, it seems like reading the trade magazines online and other kinds of sources that if you want to start your own brewery, it, it, it's, there's never been a better time in history to do it. Yes and no. Okay. It, yeah. So, um, over the last few years, there's been a huge push for whatever reason for the States and the SBA to back, small breweries, but to kind of my point earlier, it's exploded so much so quickly 
that they're starting to pull in the reins. Uh, I just met with a lending group that deals with SBA loans uh, to try to find financing for ourselves to grow into a few new states. And that's part of their fear too. Part of their portfolio are all these small brewers, but now there's more competition. You know, and they've, they've already used you know, the money allocated to get the brewery, but now they can't expand their sales because the market's already saturated. So I think the people that are in there now just have to find a way to grow um, I don't know how many new players, there's always going to be turnover, so there's always going to be opportunity. I'm not going to tell somebody not to do it. Definitely do it if that's your passion. Um, you know, if you believe in it and you're willing to do it and do it for the right reasons, you can be successful. But I think you'll see a slowdown here coming up with like SBA lending and things like that for the small breweries. But still doesn't change your mission focus. If a, if a small brewery is trying to expand or grow more customers, you can definitely help with that. Yeah, and, and that's really what we're catering towards. We want to give them the opportunity to do that and also give them the knowledge and resources. Um, one of the things I want to try to put together here is kind of like a little information packet for the small brewers, you know, like do's and don'ts, you know, successful tips, you know, uh, possible pitfalls, you know, things you might not know about. Work with other, you know, vendors or suppliers that might get you a better deal, a better product, a better price, you know. It's all about improvement. You're never going to... If you just sit back and plan and plan and plan and plan and plan, you'll never you'll never get started. So don't be scared to fail, but fail early and fail fast and learn your mistakes and grow. True, true. So come up with a plan. It's never going to be 100%. Come up with an 80% plan and you're in a pretty good spot. And then launch and then grow and learn because you learn more from mistakes than you do from successes. What's the saying of plan executed? Uh, uh, uh. Plan executed day is uh, an imperfect plan executed day is better than a perfect plan executed you know a month from now. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard that similar. Some, thing. Some, yeah, some, yeah, 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 exactly. And and it's it's so true. You, you're never going to learn until you're kind of forced into it. You know, I've always been the type of guy to just kind of throw it out there, commit, and now you're forced to do it because you've already committed. So. That's always been my mentality for anything, whether it's, you know, I decided that I wanted to run a marathon and rather than, oh, well, I'll train and once I get up to running 10, 12, 15 miles, then I'll sign up for, no, screw it. Sign up, pay for the marathon. Now I have to do it because I've already paid for it and I don't want to fail. So it kind of forces me to do it and I take business the same way. All right, all right. <laughs> um, so so you're, you're trying this thing where you help uh, small businesses out. You're trying to employ veterans and as a bonus, if you help a veteran-owned business, this is great. Um, it sounds like the, the trifecta, and, and it's why I like talking to people like yourself, because you, you think this, people would do this automatically, but they don't. And I think you, you need that veteran uh, know-how, if you will, I can't really quantify it, of saying, you know, we got this idea, we can pull it off and make it work. So I would kind of close this down by saying, in, in 2020, can you share with me what your guys' mission focus would be for 2020? Really just getting the word out there, trying to grow as organically as we can, help out as many small businesses as we can. Um, we've had a lot of interest, and I guess the, the hardest part is, one, not to grow too fast because we want to stay extremely customer-focused. You know, we want to be able to provide that training aspect to our veteran drivers. You know, focusing on safety, education, training, you know, really getting them set up so we don't want to grow too fast to the point where we lose that control. 
uh, we want to grow to a point where we're successful um, because we, we give back a percent of the proceeds, not only to veterans, you know, groups, nonprofits, and the organizations, but right to the veterans themselves. Uh, we have a profit sharing program with our employees too, even though they don't own the company. We like to, you know, our plan this year is to be able to share profits with the actual employees too, in just a form of a bonus. So any way to really give back is our mission. And we know the bigger we grow, the more we can help. And that's really the reason why I decided to take this. Um, because even though I was in the nonprofit sector and I was helping, you know, maybe a couple hundred veterans a year, you know, get benefits, get jobs, uh, whatever the case with the people on my team, um, I feel by doing this, if we do it successfully, then I can help a hundred times that, a thousand times that, you know, is really the idea. So that's, that's really your plan, just kind of grow, start expanding our networks, get it out a little bit more out of the Northeast. Like I said, we're in Texas, we'll be in New York in January, hopefully Maryland coming up here soon. Right. So we, we want to give the veterans in the whole country and area, you know, a, a place to succeed, grow, learn, and eventually franchise their own routes and their own business and then work for themselves if, nice. if the, that's in the mentality. Nice. So how can people connect with ACD MealServe? Um, and if I understand correctly, ACD stands for American Craft Delivery. Correct. Okay. So if I'm, I, if I'm out there hearing this, how do I connect with you and your business? Uh, you could do a couple different, you can find me directly on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a huge veteran network uh, and I'd love to connect with any veteran out there. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you could go to our website, uh, acdmillserve.com and um, just fill out a contact form, send it in. Uh, I will put out my personal information. You can email me directly if you want, just david.jones at acdmillserve.com. Uh, reach out. I'm willing to help in any way I can. And even if it's not a job, even if you're not a business, uh, I'm just in the business of helping veterans. And David, I will have all that contact information, the LinkedIn, the website, and, the, and your email in the Oscar Mike Radio blog Great. post for this episode. So you have no excuse. You can you know, check this out and, and get in the know. Well, I just want to say thanks for talking with me. Again, it's one of my favorite things to do is to talk to veterans who have served and reinvented themselves a couple times and now they're in their stride, if you will, to you know start a business, start a nonprofit. And, and the fact that you're doing this and trying to employ their veterans is just really, really cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, Travis. So this is Travis and I'm with David Jones of ACD MillServe, number 181. You can find out more on oscarmicrear.com. I want to say thanks again for watching. Please like, share, follow both of us. And, um, you know, hey, we are on the move, lock through launch. Cheers. <laughs>